This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is Realtor Brandon Doyle. He is a second-generation real estate pro with Remax results in the Twin Cities. He is also co-author of the book M3, Mindset, Methods, and Metrics, Winning as a Modern Real Estate Agent. And he's also this like expert and pro on smart homes, what they mean, what they are, and how realtors can learn more information about them and make them a part of their business. So Brandon, welcome onto the show. We're super excited to have you. Thank you. Glad to be a part of this. Before we get started on today's show, which is going to be around smart homes, and there's so much to dive in here today, and this is such a growing and evolving topic. So I'm really excited, Brandon, to kind of get your fresh take on this and see, you know, some of the trends and things that you're seeing and ways, you know, that our realtors can get involved in this, you know, what our members should know, what our listeners should know, you know, as this space of smart home technology grows. But before we get started in that, I have to ask our signature question that I I ask all of the guests who join me on the Real View podcast. And so the name of the show is The Real View. I would like to know what is your favorite view that you've ever seen, your best view? Uh, what is a special view that that means a lot to you? View, huh? Interesting. <laughs> so I guess our honeymoon was very special. We had a really good view in Maui. Obviously, our heart goes out to the people affected there right now. No, I know. I just can't even imagine what they're going through there in, in Hawaii. I've seen the images on the news and, and all of that. And it's it's very sad and very scary. But glad to hear that was such a beautiful experience uh, for you and your wife. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got started in real estate, a little bit more about uh, your career journey and your path to uh, this led you where you got to today. So I actually grew up around real estate. My father's been a real estate agent for 20 something years now, which really drove me not to want to become a real estate agent. <laughs> uh, you know, he was gone a lot of nights and weekends. Uh, and so I did like what he was doing there. I thought homes were really interesting. I like the real estate market. I like the finances behind it. So I went and got a degree in real estate with the idea that I was going to sell commercial real estate. Um, I graduated in 2008. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's a great time to be in real estate. <laughs> I did do some commercial real estate appraisal for a while and then got into hotel management. But eventually, 
got into residential real estate sales with my father um, and I've been doing that for, I think, like 12 years now. It's awesome. So really just a family generational type of experience for you. That's where you really got your love and interest in real estate. I love that. Cool. Okay. So I want to just dive in into today's topic, smart homes and the technology that exists within them. Um, let's just start at the beginning. Could you tell us what are smart homes and what makes a home smart? Yeah. So when you think of a uh, smart home, it's any connected device. Uh, kind of the rule that CNET came up with was three or more connected devices. So that could be any combination. But really what you're thinking of is, you know, by category, you could have your locks, you have security systems, you've got your thermostats, you've got your voice assistance, your smart lighting, um, and so on and so forth. And is that kind of what makes a home smart is just having those three devices? Is that kind of the cutoff range that, okay, this is a smart home if you have three or more things that are connected to your internet and, and that you're controlling? I mean, that's kind of the textbook example. Ideally, they would be integrated with each other, you know, and the devices would work together. But uh, just a very basic smart home could just be your video doorbell, your smart thermostat, and maybe a garage door opener. And, and technically, yes, that qualifies as a smart home. Yeah, no, that's interesting to think about, you know, maybe some of the older technology that's existed that we might not have qualified as, as smart, you know, many years ago. But now with so much new technology coming out, which I'm we're going to dive into a little bit later in the show, um, you know, it's interesting to think about that smart homes have been around for a while. And have they grown in popularity? And in your opinion, why are they starting to become more popular? Yeah, it used to be that it was really expensive I and mean, it was kind of reserved for the wealthy. Uh, so you had like the X10 systems and then you had, you know, Crestron, Control 4, very high-end stuff. And it requires, you know, pre-wiring and a lot of thought ahead of time. But now with wireless technology and just how cheap things have become. And really, honestly, Amazon has been just a huge driver. So a lot of people are starting with the Echo device. They've got she who shall not be named in their home. And then they say, oh, wow, I can add all these different things to that system and, and grow it from there. So a much more approachable price point. Are they growing in popularity, would you say? Have we seen a big takeoff into maybe where we were 10 years ago? What has that history looked like? Are they becoming more popular now? Are you seeing more consumers that are interested in this type of home as they're going through their search process? Or, or what has the popularity looked like from the past few years? Yeah, certainly if you're building, there's kind of an expectation that there'll be some sort of smart devices and if you're buying an existing home, it's always a nice to have like, oh, this is cool. They have like the Nest thermostat or they have a video doorbell uh, that you would be able to take over. But for a lot of people, it's just kind of something that they can invest in their home that doesn't cost a lot of money and then they get the enjoyment of. And so technology is just ever evolving. And so we kind of have to think of it more like furniture than as as a fixture. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a good distinction to make between the two is that it can be something that, you know, you're always keeping up with it. You can swap in and out just like pieces of furniture. I think that's a great way to compare the two. What are some of the benefits when it comes to smart homes? I mean, I know we we mentioned some of, uh, you know, the monitoring that can go on with some, you know, home security systems, things like that. But what are some of the benefits when it comes to smart homes? Yeah, so really we're looking at security, we're looking at cost savings, so like thermostats, things like that, uh, which ties into our comfort. And then overall, just like entertainment or ease of use. And so using a voice assistant to turn on your lights uh, certainly can save time. And for uh, some people with mobility issues as well, that's just a quality of living improvement. And I know there's a big green component when it comes to smart homes. 
too. Um, I, I know a few episodes ago we had on some experts who talked about, you know, sustainability in homes and just the technology that exists within smart homes. A lot of that has to do with, you know, ha- having a green home. And, and could you tell us a little bit about how those two exist, the smart home technology and making your home sustainable and, and green? Yeah, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. So your thermostat, of course, that's going to help you save a ton of money. Uh, just by having that set up can automatically, you know, it'll pay for itself really within a few months, just by you going about doing your day-to-day activities without even thinking about it, going to adjust your HVAC system uh, and when you're not around and, and save money that way. But then also if you think about it from the other side of the coin, uh, now there's a lot of devices out there that are connected to the internet that don't necessarily need to be. So you think about an oven or a refrigerator that that actually costs energy every time you know it's reaching out and talking to the system. And so, while yes, the devices themselves can save us money, uh, in some situations we're actually you know adding more. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think that refrigerators. Clearly, my home is not that smart techie because I didn't even know that there were refrigerators that could be connected to the internet. That's crazy. Would you say the smart thermostats is probably one of the biggest smart home technology that you're seeing um, in homes these days? And what are some of other most popular smart home features? Yeah, so usually we'll start with that thermostat or a voice assistant. And then from there, sometimes people will branch out into lighting, which is a personal favorite of mine. Otherwise, a video doorbell. And then from there, usually a smart lock. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about this lighting, Um, because when I was reading your article about smart homes, you wanted to detail about this smart lighting, which I think is really cool and interesting. Could you tell us a little bit about smart lighting, um, what it is and how it works? Yeah. So there's two different ways to approach smart lighting. You can either change out a switch or you can change out the bulbs. And so if you change out the bulbs, you can do all those fun, you know, color effects, which I think kids really love. Uh, Great for entertaining. Uh, but you can also do a circadian rhythm. And so you can actually have the bulb change the color temperature throughout the day. So you're getting brighter uh, white light when you're working. And then as they go into the evening, that transitions to a warmer light and kind of get, allows you to uh, power down for the day. So that's a really cool option. Uh, the other way to go is with the smart switches or smart dimmers. And so if you've got a room with a, has a lot of light bulbs in it, or you just want really easy control, the smart switch is a great option. Uh, there's some really affordable options out there, but for me, I think it's been, it's worth spending a little bit extra to get ones that have a very reliable connection, uh, but that's gonna allow you to set up schedules, do uh, motion detection, uh, have these different automations, and then you know have like a good night routine where everything turns off, or when you leave the house, you can have it automatically turn off all the lights. And so it kind of ties back into the cost savings Uh, But it's also great for security because we can have it set up so that if a camera detects motion, we can have lights turn on as well to light up the area better so you can see who's out there or deter them from doing whatever they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, no, that I think that's really cool. Um, I know here in the Ohio Realtors office, we just updated all of our lighting and it includes um, some of the motion sensor lights, dimmers, things like that. And it's it's really nice. And it's nice to just be able to walk into a room and not flip, flip a switch on. I, I mean, that's something that I know I enjoy too, is just having those sensor lights automatically pop on whenever you walk into a space. One of the other features that you talked about too, are these smart shades. And this is something that was new to me in my research and into smart home technology. Tell us about smart shades and how those work. Yeah, so with the shades, it used to be something that you would only find in a luxury home, but now the price points become much more approachable. And with wireless technology, you can actually install battery-operated versions. So we're not having to run 
power to the location. So for about $400 a window, I think is where you get into this level of, of shading. But it's really nice for sending like sunset or sunrise automations. Uh, we actually have it set up here in our home so that if one of the rooms gets too hot, we can actually automatically lower the shade. That way we're not you know, utilizing the air conditioning and we're saving money that way. The same goes in the winter. I'm in Minnesota, so it gets very cold and our windows mostly face south. So it works out very well for us that we can just raise those shades up and heat the house naturally with sun during the day and then uh, in the evening time have that cool. That's really nice. Um, Just so many different options and, and the sky's the limit when it comes to this technology in your home. But then there's also something that exists outside of the home, but still on the property that I didn't even think about is this smart irrigation and just what that entails as far as making your home more efficient and, and cost saving. Talk to us about smart irrigation and that system and what that looks like in smart homes. Yeah, so we've got a lot of great technology outside as well. And really, this is going to be around time savings and cost savings. And so, you know, any uh, sprinkler system really could be set up on a schedule, which is great. Uh, they even have sensors where if it detects rain, it's going to skip a schedule. Uh, but with these smart sprinkler systems, it actually is looking into the future, looking at uh, forecast and weather, and it can say, you know what, it's going to rain later today, so I don't need to water now. Companies like Ratio uh, do a really good job with this. And then uh, Moen actually just got into the sprinkler game as well, and they, they're pairing it with these little smart sensors that you can put in your yard. So it actually detects how much water or what percentage the water is at each level. Um, so it's adding another layer of intelligence on top of uh, that forecasting as well. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Wow, that's that's so cool. And um, how nice to just have that on an automated mated schedule. You know, I hear from so many of my friends like, oh, I need to water, you know, the garden today. I need to do this today or, you know, and just to have that all automated. I think that's really cool. And just another great factor of these uh, smart homes. So knowing that we have all these different devices just running off of one Internet, what does that the Internet capabilities need to look like? Um, do we need to have super powered, um, you know, Internet connection? Do we or should we be, you know, getting the maximum power in our internet capabilities. What should that look like with all these devices running off of smart homes? Because I know in like my home, it's like, oh yeah, you have three devices, you know, your phone, your laptop, and your TV is running off of Wi-Fi. And it's like, yeah, you're great for you. But if you're having, you know, maybe like five, six, seven different devices running on the Wi-Fi, what should our internet capabilities look like? Yeah. So I think this one might shock a lot of uh, the listeners. Uh, most people out right now are overpaying for the internet by quite a bit. Uh, there's absolutely no reason to buy the faster speeds because your devices can't actually go that fast. Uh, so your iPhone, which is going to be the most common device that's accessing the internet, 
uh, that actually can only go like 200 to 300. So you don't need gig. <laughs> and depending on how many people that are in your household, it's not possible to be uh, pulling enough bandwidth. So there's two things that you're going to want to do. The first is that you should go purchase your modem yourself. Uh, that way you're not renting the modem that belongs to your service provider. That should pay for itself within a few months. And then the other thing you want to do is make sure that you have a good uh, router. Uh, so I recommend setting up a mesh network. That's going to be something like Orbi or Eero. Google has one as well. But basically, we want to utilize any Ethernet cables we have in our house already. Uh, and then we're going to build out this mesh that all the devices are going to connect to. And so we're going to put the main one is going to be right where uh, your demarcation is in your home. That's where your cable comes in. That's where your modem is going to be. So that's the main router. And then from there, you would either use access points or you can expand it if you have the Ethernet with different switches to get to other parts of the house. Otherwise, the devices naturally will just communicate with them with each other and they're going to boost that signal. Uh, so we're going to put the other two in other corners of the house or central areas and try to spread that that coverage out as much as possible. Uh, one mistake that I see people making is that they're going out and they're getting these Wi-Fi repeaters. So like Comcast is one that will advertise this. And you just kind of plug that in into like an outlet and then it takes the signal and it repeats it. What they don't advertise though is every time you do that, you're actually cutting that speed in half. It's not what you want to do. Uh, the mesh network is going to be your best option. And you can get something like that for a couple hundred bucks now. And I always buy when it's on sale. There's absolutely no reason to ever pay retail prices for smart home technology because it's always on sale at some point. You just gotta wait. Like Prime Day and Black Friday are the two best times to buy. Great advice on that. And um, that's good to know that we wouldn't have to do a total overhaul. Like just a basic internet package from your service provider is gonna be able to operate your home. I think that's really great to know, especially if we have people out there considering you know, doing these home upgrades or living in a home that already has these home upgrades. I think that's really nice to know. And when it comes to the energy savings um, and knowing you know, how big of savings we're getting if we have these technologies that are existing in our homes, what's the best way for us to be monitoring our energy? How should we be looking into that? And what are the biggest things that we should look for um, when it comes to energy saving in our homes? Yeah, if you're a big nerd like me, you'll go pick up the Sense Energy Meter. You can install that right in your uh, box and it's actually going to monitor the loads. Uh, and then it intelligently uh, predicts what devices are on. And so it gives you a real-time reporting. Uh, what you'll find is that uh, there are certain items in your house that are making up the majority of uh, your energy usage. That's going to be your air conditioning. And then if you have a pool or a hot tub, that's going to be super high. Electric vehicles, obviously, encourage people to charge on off-peak or use solar if possible. Uh, but then the other ones that might surprise people is going to be refrigerators, fish tanks, anything that has a pump. It might be more efficient to upgrade your refrigerator if it's older because the energy efficiency will actually pay for itself. And then the other thing, too, is that a lot of people will run fans all day thinking that they're saving money on their air conditioning, when in reality, it doesn't work that way. And so you're almost better just to have your AC running uh, within a certain temperature band and then just keep it there instead of trying to turn it off and then turn it back on certain times to do more work for their AC uh, to bring the house back to a certain level. 
versus just keeping it there. Definitely good tips there on how to monitor, monitor energy. What would you say if you had to just ballpark guess, you know, what the height that you can reach as far as energy savings and cost savings on a month to month basis, if you install some of this technology, what are the savings that, what does that look like? You know, how much are we talking about that we could be saving? You know, just ballpark it because we know there's a lot of factors that goes into it, but what would you say on like an average would be, you know, monthly savings for smart homes? Yeah. So it's all going to depend on what the base level is. So everyone's household usage is going to be way different and you know how many family members they have uh certainly if you're you know, like everything's electric in your house that's a higher uh, you can have a family where you've got a kid running three different computers uh and just turning the computers off <laughs> is going to save more uh than anything else but uh to keep it simple i always just recommend starting with the thermostat because it's it pays for itself and then you know obviously upgrading your lights so just the bulbs themselves to LEDs, you're going to save more money by changing out the bulbs than you would. Like you could leave all your lights on in your house all the time for a year, as long as they're LEDs and you would have saved more money than if you had incontestant bulbs and you were turning them off uh, religiously. Uh, so just changing the bulbs out alone. And there's a lot of credits out there as well uh, for some of these things, like changing out your light bulbs and getting a um, the thermostat. So. Well, the other one to watch out for is those computers. So if you're not using a computer, you can turn that off and you're going to save a lot of money. There's no reason for it to run overnight. I know it's convenient to be able to just walk up and have it be on and ready for you, but just save your work and turn it off and you'll be fine. Is there, I mean, this was probably an old myth that I don't know I grew up with as a child and it's around the idea of you know, unplugging things from the outlet if you're not using that. Is that a real thing? Yeah, so that's called vampire drain. Yeah. There's certain devices do uh, take power even when they they say they're off. Uh, the biggest ones are your, your flat screen TVs and uh, any of your connected devices because they're constantly waiting for that signal. So if you're going to be out of town for a long time, yeah, sure, unplug your TV and your cable you might save a dollar a month <laughs> by doing that. Uh, but for most people, it's not worthwhile because then when you go to turn it back on, it, it has to boot up and it actually takes quite a while. People don't really understand that the TV never actually gets fully turned off. It just is kind of in a standby mode. So you could do like utilize smart plugs and have it automatically turn off when you leave the house and then automatically turn back on. Well, when you're paying $20 for the smart plug, you know, now you're looking at 20 months for it to pay for itself. <laughs> I think that's like an obsessive level of energy monitoring that it isn't really necessary. The easier wins are going to be in the in the lighting and then just turning devices off. Just just curious, because I know that was always something. Do we leave our stuff plugged in or not? Should we just leave the outlets uh, blank or are we? Yeah, yeah. I never, never knew if there was validity behind that or not. Your phone charger is another one too, but it's such a small, small amount that it's... Yeah, it doesn't really make that big of a difference in the long run. Yeah, cool. Good to know. Okay, so I want to kind of talk about um, realtors' role in smart home technology and what realtors should know when it comes to this and how should we be advising our clients on smart homes and how can we learn more about, about this world if this isn't something we're super familiar with? I think it's important that agents get educated on smart home technology because it's becoming more common. Uh, most of the production builders are including it. And so you want to be able to speak intelligently about it. And then when you encounter the smart home technology in the wild, it's good to like understand what's included, what's not, what, you know, how it all 
conveys. And so a few things that I recommend for agents and First is just assume that you're always being recorded. You know, video doorbells, security cameras are so cheap now. I have a story where a client of ours, we had their house on the market. He also is a fellow nerd like me and had a video doorbell. And this was back when it wasn't as common. Uh, and some people didn't really understand it. it. The range on these is like really far. So this, uh, this buyer and their agent were standing out at their car at the end of the street, uh, but you could still hear them on the uh, doorbell clear as day. And they basically revealed their offer strategy, said that they were willing to pay more. And so my client knew that an offer was coming before I did. And when I presented the offer, he said, hey, we should probably counter it this specific amount. And it was $20,000 more, uh, which was funny because he would have taken the lower offer. And so literally by not being cognitive of their environment, this client ended up paying $20,000 more for a house. Uh, so we just want to be aware of that and then know the laws around the recording in your state. And so here in Minnesota, it's we have to disclose, we can't record audio internally, uh, but we can outside the house, which was the case here. But you have to think that like the seller could be listening live, you know, who knows what they're doing. And so my just general rule of thumb is never talk about offer strategy when you're at the property in general. That, that is a big one, huge takeaway there. Uh, the second one is that we need to factory reset every device. Certain locks aren't going to, you cannot reset them after the fact. The person that owns it needs to release the lock before disconnecting their internet. So I physically have to be in the home be connected to the device and say, I am removing this device, factory reset it. Uh, so it prevents theft. Uh, it's, it's all for security. Uh, there's obviously workarounds after the fact, but it's a really big pain. Uh, so we want to keep our manuals. We want to do the factory reset. If you have a smart lock, we want to watch out for the code. One, if you give out the code, you know, make sure it's a one-time use code or it's something that you have control over and can change. Uh, but a lot of the locks are going to have the master code written right on the back of the battery pack. And so a savvy person could come in and make a code for themselves while they're at the house. And so obviously we don't want that. Uh, and then the last big piece of advice is to just understand, you know, what the difference is between fixtures and personal property. It's like, wow, those are really cool uh, voice assistants. It's awesome that I can use my voice to control these lights. But that's personal property and that's not gonna convey. Uh, same with all those hubs. So if I have an automation uh, where I walk into a room, certain actions are happening, uh, as soon as I remove that hub, like none of that is gonna function the same way. Uh, so the no next person is gonna need to set up their own hub and their own, you know, do all the naming conventions, build their automations the way they want them. So we just wanna make sure that people understand that. And then like a lot of times people are like, I bought that lock, I bought that thermostat, I bought that doorbell. I'm gonna take those with me because I, you know, I paid for them. But once they're attached to the home, they stay with the home. Uh, so we just need to, you know, if you don't wanna include them, that's fine. Just remove them prior to listing or you know, tell people ahead of time that like, okay, the security system does not convey with the property. Uh, it's there, but we're, we're gonna remove it and obviously cover up any holes. Yeah, no, those are all great advices. And, you know, something I didn't even think about what happens if you sell a property that has all of this stuff connected to your internet and that's, you know, you're probably log-ons and passwords and all of that stuff. So 
great idea and recommendation there. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure, you know, if you are selling a smart home that, you know, that that internet's removed from everything, that those, you know, previous homeowners have all of their passwords and usernames removed off of that. That's really uh, great and smart <laughs> to think about when it comes to selling uh, these smart homes. What do you think the future of smart home technology looks like? Um, I know we just mentioned some of the trends that you're seeing, but is there anything um, that is up and coming that's on the horizon that we should be uh, on the lookout for when it comes to smart home technology? Or what is the next wave of of smart home technology going to look like? And um, does AI have anything to do with it? Advancements are certainly slowing down. I mean, there's not as many new categories coming online. The biggest improvements I've seen lately have been around like the robot vacuums. Uh, now they're self-emptying, they can do mopping, the mops clean themselves. And that's certainly cool and a, a big time saver. Uh, but we do have the matter standard rolling out. So for those that aren't familiar, your devices could be connected via Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, Zigbee, or Z-Wave. Uh, so now we're kind of just simplifying that and so that things should, in theory, work across different platforms. So if you're a, an Apple user, a Google user, whatever, you, you name it, the theory here is that all the devices would work together and be really easy to connect and to set up. But truthfully, I, I have my doubts because the same people that are pushing this idea are also the ones that came up with Zigbee and the same same thing happened where it was like, okay, yeah, I can use my Philips Hue bulb and I can connect it to these other hubs. But now I lose functionality that was built in uh, specifically with uh, staying within that manufacturer. And so I think you're going to see, you know, people have these walled gardens. So you're either... You're all in on the Apple products. You're all in on Amazon products. Could be alarm.com, could be, you name it. Uh, you're kind of just in that ecosystem. And then once you're in it, you're not going to want to leave it. And then the move towards subscription base. You know, it's unfor an unfortunate trend that we're seeing in general is that, you know, there's a low upfront cost for any product, but then, you know, it's worthless without paying for the subscription. And they get you, you know, the subscription cost is low when you start, but then every year it goes up. And then it goes up again. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. And I have a subscription for my doorbell. I have a subscription for this other camera. I have this and that. And it's like, I oh, know that's too much. I don't want that. And so you kind of move away from it. And then there's certainly the privacy concern people. Um, you know, the devices are always listening. There's settings that you can change and, and you should change that I don't think enough people are aware of. Uh, just like right out of the box, things that you absolutely need to change. Otherwise, yes, they 100% are listening in on you and uh, they are recording. It's not good. And, and the Echo devices now, I mean, they're just filled with ads, uh, but you can turn them off. They don't They don't advertise that, <laughs> but it's just a simple setting. You go in and toggle all these things off and there you go. Now it, it shows what you expected it to, which is like family photos, the weather, things like that, which is what they advertise it instead of just ads. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely go through and turn off those settings because no one wants to be listened to, you know, the whole time. Although I think about like if, if they're listening in on my conversations and, you know, I live by myself. So, you know, what they would hear and I'd be like, they would probably be so bored by my conversations. <laughs> but no, it's always a good idea to double check those settings. And that's a great um, bit of advice. Well, Brandon, this was so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today and, and for diving more into this world of smart homes and, and how it all works. This was very informative and super helpful to all of our listeners. So I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for having me. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. 
You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.